Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. It is December 6th, Wednesday. About 6.30 p.m., Travis and I are coming at you sort of, uh, I was going to say kind of at the peak of like the winter meetings, but Travis, there has not been very much news, at least not in terms of some of the biggest ticket guys on the market. No big Otani news yet. It's been very hush-hush. There's been some fun kind of side developments, but in terms of actually narrowing down who like the final couple teams are in on him, you know, we don't have that much information. Juan Soto um, is heavily linked to the Yankees right now, but nothing finalized quite yet. But Travis, I mean, the way that this uh, industry seems to go during this kind of peak of trade season and free agency season, it could happen at any time, right? So we're going to, I'm going to keep my phone on me throughout the podcast in case I get a notification from Passan or Rosenthal or whoever it might be that has some sort of breaking news. But Travis, let's start the episode away from some of the big top, the the big kind of, you know, clickbait topics. And let's actually start somewhere else. Um, I have an interesting question to start off with, um, and it ties into a couple different trades that have happened that we haven't had a chance to discuss on the podcast quite yet. Um, So looking at the Mariners is where I want to start, and they've had two different trades uh, that have, in my opinion, I think in everyone's opinion, kind of lessened them as a win now uh team as less as a as a top level high potential contender um so these trades are they traded eugenio suarez to the diamondbacks and they also traded uh jared kelnick and as well as uh marco gonzalez and i think it was ethan white to atlanta um and the guys that they got in return for these deals um all are guys who might be able to contribute, but no like huge impactful names coming back. They did get a reliever back from Atlanta who I think will be important to their bullpen this coming season. But like overall, in terms of the talent going out and the potential going out um, compared to what's coming in, definitely feels like um, like they're trying to cut cut salary a little bit i'm not sure if that's ownership being cheap or them preparing to sign a big name guy you know but i kind of want to get your thoughts travis what are the mariners doing here do you see them you know kind of pushing all the chips in the table and trying to get a big free agent here with some of the savings or do you think they're just kind of cutting back being a little bit cheap because you know they're not a they're not a huge market they're not known for historically being a massive massive spender they'll dish out some money but but maybe they're just going to go the internal route and just kind of focus on uh i mean you know jp crawford took a big step forward last year offensively um i know he went to driveline i think ty france is at driveline right now so maybe they're just hoping to kind of get their current talent um to go up a level um do you see that as their plan or uh, where do you think they're 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 thinking 
Yeah, I think they're doing exactly what um, their GM, Jerry DePoto, wanted them to do uh, and win 84 to 88 games a year. <laughs> um, I know he came out in, uh, I think it was the end of the regular season and mentioned that that was their goal every single season. He got a lot of criticism for that because uh, basically a lot of Emily fans, um, a lot of people that follow the sport are saying, well, isn't your goal to win a championship? And to win a championship, you know, your your odds increase as you win, you know, 90 plus games, 100 plus games. Uh, shouldn't that be your goal? So uh, he definitely got criticism on that, which is funny that the that the actions that have been have happening over the past couple of weeks are uh, are kind of correlating to that. But like you mentioned, too, yeah, you got certain guys that are getting um, special um, uh, special or not special practice, but just, uh, you know, an increase in, uh, in analytics and metrics into their, into their game. Like, um, like Ty France, like you mentioned with drive line. So, uh, you sent me a tweet, Alex, a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, it would be interesting to see if this guy does end up hitting, you know, 25 or 30 home runs this year and becomes a full complete hitter. Uh, that will be interesting to see with, uh, with Ty France, because we know his contacts already there. The power has just never truly been there, but, uh, yeah, I I definitely see them doing all this as trying to shed some uh, shed some money and uh, hopefully trying to you know sign a big fish out there in the market. I know the Mariners have been linked to Shohei Otani, so of course that could be a big reason for that as well. But um, yeah, the Mariners are just a they you know they two years ago of course you know being a wild card team making a, a really special run this past year i know they were really down in the dumps early on alex and then they i think they went on like a 30 30 wins in like 45 games uh streak and so it was actually something really unique that they were able to do but you know it could be an outlier for the season and then they kind of went back down to earth and then you saw that the astros and the uh, rangers ended, ended up uh going to the postseason but um I, I definitely just think that it's something that they're going to be uh, the, the free agency market, something they're really keeping an eye on. I don't know if they're going to make any big time trades. Um, I, I know they still have a good amount of prospects in their system, but I don't know if they just want to empty their uh, their farm system on prospects and go or on on, uh, on high level trades and just uh, go that route. But I wonder too if they're looking to again make a big spend in the next couple of weeks on some of these big free agents still left in the market but uh it, it definitely is interesting because i feel like the rank the mariners every single year um they either they either don't do too much in the off season um or they don't do anything and it just seems like a team that's always on the edge of the cusp of uh of a postseason run and a, and a successful postseason run but uh they just never i don't know truly commit so it 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 would be shocking and uh disappointing if they don't do anything for this month or for next month in this off season and if they don't get any big fish then you got to wonder and say where is this team's you know mindset where are they headed uh teams like angels who you know constantly are under 500 but it seems like they're always trying to get better every single off season. And they're really making a push. You can see that in their front office. And then with the Astros and the Rangers over the last couple of seasons, you know, the Astros are always making smart moves and the Rangers have been super aggressive in an AL West that right now is, you know, one of the deepest uh, divisions in baseball. So uh, you hopefully got to think the Mariners are keeping things under the radar and that they're going to make a big splash soon, but you know, time will tell. Yeah, and just to kind of uh, put a cap on the Mariners conversation, uh, I, I was able to find their projected uh, lineup by fan graphs. And so the Mariners, I mean, 
they obviously have not taken a huge offensive approach even last year when they were like a winning team uh you know had many good series i mean they were in the al west uh they were in the first place al west race with like you know a few a few weeks to go in the season so um there's i actually maybe even like less than like two weeks left they were like right there in that mix so uh they obviously were able to succeed without an offensive first approach, but they're kind of going to reach a new level this season if they do not go out and sign a big bat. I mean, and, and there are guys available that would fit. I think Matt Chapman's a name I hear a lot about just because they just sent away the starting third baseman who played every single game. Chapman could easily fill that role and can kind of give them a value with the defense that they might not have had before. But just looking at their offense at the moment, Fangraphs projects this to be their one through nine uh, batting order. J.P. Crawford, Julio Rodriguez, Cal Raleigh, Ty France as the top four. Not a terrible top four. There's some good hitters there. Five hitter is Cade Marlowe. Then it's Luis Urias playing third base. Dominic Canzoni. Is it Canzone? Canzoni? I don't even know. Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Taylor Trammell and Josh Rojas, who they got in return uh, from the Diamondbacks for Eugenio Suarez to play second base. But Travis, that five you, you, you better, nine, you better help Luis Castillo pitches out of his mind. <laughs> exactly, and and they do have a rotation that is able to honestly compete with any rotation across baseball uh, if they're all healthy and clicking. If you say Castillo, Robbie Ray, uh, Kirby, and Gilbert, I mean that's really special and they've had good bullpen uh past couple seasons they're able to trade guys away like graveman and seawald and have other guys step up like munoz they're going out there and they're acquiring uh bullpen arms via trade when they send out guys like kelnick but even their bench travis right now their bench uh four four-man bench unit uh would be sebi savala as the backup catcher Jose Caballero, infielder, Sam Haggerty, utility, and, and Dylan Moore, utility. So just it just overall just a, 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 an odd assortment of guys. Um, I, I will say that I can't totally just count them out, even if that was their team, because they are a kind of a team that knows to some extent I have to kind of trust their process the last couple of years, um, even when I'm low on their uh their prospect when I'm when I'm low on their chances of being a real threat in the ALS, they always do a bit better than I expect. But I still feel like, you know, if, if they do trot this team out there on opening day, it's a big missed missed opportunity. Um because they're if they're willing to spend the money, they could really plug some of these holes that they have. Um there are third basemen on the market that they could go out there and try to get. Um, there are definitely um just better bats across the board that could try to add to this team. Uh, and they have the they have the good speed and defense on the bench that they could use to kind of complement if they went and got just like a a pure power slugger type um, that's going to mostly just hit for you and nothing else that might be a good fit for them but um, yeah not a lot of promise on that offense so I just kind of wanted to cover them a bit um, after getting rid of some of their key hitters from last season. Travis, let's go ahead and shift to another kind of hot topic that um, we got some new news on uh, yesterday and then all day today we've been monitoring the Soto thing but just looking at the Yankees Travis I want us to try to figure out what the Yankees plan is here so they went ahead yesterday I, I believe it was yesterday and they traded for Alex Verdugo from the Red Sox now I personally 
I like this fit. I am not super high on Verdugo overall in terms of his value as a player. He definitely um, brings some uh, positives to the table. He has a, a good skill set um, that can help fill holes that the Yankees were lacking. But I think overall, there's just a lot of – there's not as much walking in his game that I would like, not as much discipline as I would like. The on-base percentage – is always pretty low, at least the last two seasons. Um, and, and just the last two seasons, Travis, he had a 102 WRC plus and a 98 WRC plus. So even though he like, I think he was an all-star one of these years, like the hitting is pretty much average. The defense, um, it's it's it can be okay depending on where he's at, left or right. He's not stealing very many bases. You know, he he's, he's in my mind, he's a bit closer to an average player than an above average player. Um, yep. If I'm being honest, but there definitely is a contact profile to his game. The Yankees might not have had, and it might be important for some pitching matchups. They have to uh, go out and face um, maybe guys who are strikeout heavy. Maybe you need this extra contact guy in the middle of your power hitters just to kind of keep the pitcher honest, you know, and there is a, a, a fact that he's a lefty. Um, and he's an outfielder, which are two things that the Yankees are kind of missing. Um, Bader is a free agent, so they're they're losing an outfielder there. They didn't really have a left fielder last year. They were kind of plugging in, you know, Billy McKinney and stuff, and, and, and I think he's gone. So um, overall, I think that he definitely fits a needed role for this team, but I'm not so high on him as an individual. And then there's this Soto piece that's looming over the team, and Travis, I think for the sake of this podcast, we'll just kind of assume it's most likely going to get done. Everything is leading toward it being done, but the last couple hours, things have kind of stalled a bit on the the medicals. Apparently, they're waiting for the Padres to kind of respond on the medicals for all the different players that they'd be acquiring in the potential trade. But from what I've seen, it's likely Soto and Grisham coming from the Padres over to the Yankees. So that's two more outfielders. Um you know, two lefties, one a great defender, one a uh, phenomenal all, all-time kind of hitter. My question to you is this. Will the Yankees be a top-tier team next year? And that's kind of a, a tough question to kind of answer all at once. But I've seen some quotes about how they are aware of what the new um, second apron or whatever they call it, like that top-tier, um, they call it the Cohen tax because they – uh, implemented it to prevent uh, owners from being able to spend like way too much. So you get like extra penalized when you go above like that second threshold or however it works. Um, and I, I saw a quote saying the Yankees are well aware and they're willing to go beyond that threshold this coming season. They're down to spend more than they should in order to kind of prevent what happened last season. So my question is this, do you believe in what they're doing? Do you think that they're going to be able to, right the ship from last year and are they going to be able to return to like a top tier of the american league one of the teams you have to mention when you're talking about world series contenders can they get to that level next season yeah um well i, I will say Juan soto definitely would help the lineup uh that would take i think a lot of pressure off a lot of the young guys um and some of those prospects that we saw last year wouldn't have to basically go out there and perform it was at an all-star level uh, it probably would take some pressure off of Judge and guys like Stanton as well. But uh, those guys also need to be healthy for them to be at an all-time high. Uh, the Yankees' offense, if they're all, all healthy, 
with Soto, they're all clicking. I mean, you talk right there. I mean, if Garrett Cole's on the mound, you feel like Garrett Cole can go out there and win 25 games in a season, no problem at all. Uh, so it, it definitely would help them. I think they still have a lot more moves to make um, because I just it, – it's almost a – it's it's just a consistent uh, thing every single season that the Yankees are going to have to battle injuries. And I feel like you're just expected of that now. I feel like, you know, Judge is not going to play 162 games. Stanton is not going to play 150 games, I feel like. Uh, so you need to back up plans. Almost like what the Angels did last year is get some depth options so that if guys go down, you do have major league talent ready to slide on in. And I think that's also what Verdugo is doing right there is that he can be a, a guy to almost lean on if certain guys were to go down as, hey, here's a guy that's, you know, almost been an all-star uh, and uh, does does at least provide some sort of, uh, of a backbone uh, support the depth system uh, for the New York Yankees. But um, I definitely think that they're going to have to go out there and make uh, some more moves if they really want to contend in this division because – you know, the Blue Jays aren't going anywhere. Uh, the the Rays aren't going really anywhere. And the um, and the Baltimore Orioles aren't going anywhere. The Orioles are, are a team that's going to be trending upwards over the next coming years. And, you know, you, you, they, they they basically were about at the 100-win uh, mark last year. And, and you think that they're going to, you know, keep climbing and to keep doing that. So you think that the Orioles and the Rays could be teams that are going to get 90-plus wins every single year now. So the Yankees need to match that. And I think they just need to add on some more people pieces um i haven't taken a too deep look into i i haven't really looked too much into their depth or their team but i just think that uh they, they'll need to add more pieces as along with a guy like juan soto but uh if if they were to get him man that would be a scary uh part of the lineup I'm, I'm trying to think of what the order would be if if um if they could find some sort of you know pretty a decently great you know leadoff guy and then you could potentially have you know soto batting second judge batting third that'd be a crazy you know one two three right there for the new york yankees but um i think that there just definitely needs to be some more work uh being done if they truly want to compete next year uh and for for a playoff spot but um yeah i i think that there's just more work to be done on that side that's fair. Um, you mentioned the lineup, the batting order, and it is really funny. I I almost sent this uh, to you earlier today, but basically there are, you know, people out there kind of doing their own hypotheses and theorizing about what the lineup could look like. And you just see some of the worst stuff that, I mean, you and I both know what I'm talking about. You just see some of the most foolish or like, you know, what were you thinking when you made this post of like, what their ideal lineup is for the Yankees if they were to get Soto. And you just see like all sorts of stuff. I've seen people have Verdugo batting leadoff. I've seen them have Verdugo batting like seventh. I've seen people have Judge batting second and some have him batting cleanup. And there's just like so little kind of consensus on what would make a good lineup. But I think you and I both um, kind of probably, I assume we agree that like, you know, Soto, Judge, um, two and three in some order would be uh, uh, just a phenomenal duo. The I think, I think, Yeah, I think absolutely uh, Soto has to be batting, you know, in front of Judge because he is a on-base king. And, um, and man, you, you talk about how many, you know, multi or, you know, um, two run, three run, you know, grand and slams that Judge would have uh, next year if he had Soto batting in front of him. I feel like that would just his odds would go way up and RBIs would go way up in that production uh, side would go way up as well. So if if they could have or find someone that could bat in front of Soto as well, man, I mean that that is a that is a great start to the lineup for for the New York Yankees. 
Right. And then, you know, figuring out who's going to hit leadoff, it could depend on the pitcher and just depend on which hitters are doing well at a given time. I could see them trying Verdugo. I could see them trying Rizzo again. I think Rizzo, you know, fully healthy, unlike last year when he had, you know, I think concussion protocol or something. It was he had a whole weird thing going on, but I expect a bounce back to some extent from Rizzo. Also could easily see LeMahieu take over a role like that, especially against a lefty perhaps. But um, anyways, that is definitely a team that um, we will continue to monitor, hoping for a Soto update, um, hopefully before the night's over. But it could be not until tomorrow. It could not happen at all. So we may be jumping the gun here. But I think it's important to kind of talk about the Yankees. I mean, it's interesting, Travis. I don't think I've ever seen like a trade target or a free agent target for that matter, where it's only one team really. Like honestly, I've not heard another single team super duper in on Juan Soto since the winter meetings began. It's like three or four straight days of people just saying, yeah, it's the Yankees and it's the Padres making this deal. Like the Yankees needed to happen. The Padres needed to happen. Padres want Michael King, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, these teams have kind of met in this way. And I really don't even know what the trade would look like with a different team at this point, because I feel like these uh, two teams in the Yankees and Padres have already kind of locked eyes and it's kind of hard to imagine them um, leaving this deal on the table, I guess, unless something went really uh, drastically wrong with like some of the medicals or something like that, like how, how the Correa's deal happened, um, you know, off an off season ago, but yeah, I, I always thought uh, I, I always thought a great deal between uh, the Padres and the Atlanta Rays would be fun. <laughs> that, that that would definitely be a that, that would be, be one a, of the greatest lineups in our lifetime. Yeah, it'd be an, a pretty unfair lineup for for the Braves there. But um, I almost have a crazy thought of what if after all this, like the medicals don't work and the Padres don't get another offer they like, and they just bring so bring Soto back. You know, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's yeah. just kind of a funny thought that pops, pops into my head. Maybe they'll dealing with the deadline or something, but that's kind of hard to do when you're trying to contend. But either way, Travis, let's go ahead and uh, shift gears again here. There's still been a handful of deals across MLB that have been interesting, but not a lot of groundbreaking things. Uh, I'll just highlight a couple things here, and you can just tell me which one you think might be the most significant or the one that you like the most, and we'll just kind of go to that one. So Sonny Gray, starting pitcher, signing with the Cardinals. He immediately becomes probably their best pitcher. Um, I still think they need, they need to add more there in order to actually be uh, an effective rotation. They're definitely still shallow, and they're still starting pitchers on the market they could try to go get. Um, and, and, and for right there, Alex, I'll, I'll just stop and ask a question. I, I I don't know what's going on, but again, I, I don't really know what the move is for for St. Louis this offseason. They they get two, you know, meh old pitchers that it just seemed like, okay, they're they're just gonna kind of just let them ride and see what happens. And they go out there and get a top three pitcher on the market, Sonny Gray. So um just quickly, what's your input on that? Because I I was stumped. I, I again it's another move that I just don't know what a team is doing and what their vision is because they get two pitchers that have not had a very good track record the last couple of seasons. And then they get this pitcher that had, you know, a great season last year. So what, what is that move? What, what, what do you, what do you see the Cardinals uh, doing here? Yeah, that's a really good question. I personally 
am of the opinion that they're going to try to compete next year. I think their version of competing the last few seasons just involves not really investing big money and starting pitching, um, which some teams uh, have figured is a good method for their success. Um, It definitely works better for some than others. Like there are some teams where it feels like your rotation stinks and you're just, you're just a lost cause. But I think the defense is so good in St. Louis and the bullpen has been pretty dang good the last couple of seasons. Um, At least, at least when the team is clicking, the bullpen is also clicking. Um, Because of that, I feel like they can get away with having not the best uh, rotation. Uh, That being said, it does come down to what you get from a guy like, you know, let's just take a look at Lance Lynn, for example. If you can get even just say a 4.5 ERA and 160, 170 innings, that would be in many ways a win just in terms of giving you volume, uh, eating up innings. I think that would be a kind of a win for them. They're going to try to get more probably from uh, guys like Michaelis and, you know, Sonny Gray, hopefully having a bit more upside. Um, but I think overall, they just kind of want MLB caliber arms at all times. So instead of kind of spending big on a guy like, say, Nola, who I think they were pursuing, or, you know, Yamamoto is still out there, they still could get a guy like that, like a top tier kind of pitcher. I don't really probably predict that to happen but let's just say they went out there and got a guy like that that would put them like over the top with their rotation in terms of like okay they actually are being really serious about addressing that weakness but it's always been my opinion that they just don't really invest heavily in that rotation I mean and part of that is seen by their willingness to kind of keep on waiting right for as long as they did and then just to kind of not really add major reinforcements like they went out there um I, I don't know. It feels like year after year, they add a couple arms that are kind of meh, um, at least not super impactful top of the top of the market arms. And so them seeing them go get gray tells me that they actually are being a little bit serious coming into next season. They're not just going to add a couple arms and punt and hope they're better. They're going to actually try to address their weaknesses. I think I read something about they're willing to trade one of their outfielders. Um, for more depth and they do have good young players in the system I wonder if we see a lot of Mason win this coming season obviously hoping for a uh, a Jordan Walker a sophomore year um, you know step forward I think that there's lots to be optimistic about as a fan but I do agree that like I think they need to add a bit more to that rotation still even with gray you get past gray and it becomes lots of um you know, more uncertainty, I'll put it that way. So are you kind of in the same boat as me? Definitely. I, uh, I, I definitely see where your point is. Um, it just, it just seeing, you know, what the Cardinals problems were last year and, you know, you know, having to go with Steven Matz. And uh, I think there's another guy on the mound that, uh, that just wasn't performing that they got uh, in, in, a, in a free agency pickup, but it just, it just, it was, it seemed like they they needed to really address it, and if they addressed that problem, that one problem, they they had an offense that was good enough to compete in for you know a National League Central title. But uh, seeing the first two moves, it just didn't uh, it didn't really it caught my eye in a bad way. I'll say that it just it was it's something that I, I did not expect that the that the Cardinals would do. I thought they'd be a little bit more aggressive, you know, try and go out there and get a top guy like Nola, um, or you know just just possibly make smarter 
decisions. Maybe go out there and not get a Sonny Gray, but get guys that are going to be, you know, B plus caliber. Maybe you think Sonny Gray is an A plus kind of guy. Go get guys that are going to be a little bit, you know, maybe worse than him, but uh, a couple more of those guys to help you compete. But that was just my input on that. Yeah, and that's a good point. And then just looking at like their projections for next year, they do have Sonny Gray, Miles Michaelis, uh, Kyle Gibson, and Lance Lynn as the top four innings guys with mats also being the fifth guy in that slot and then after that you just have a bunch of other arms that might make occasional starts like um you have zach thompson they have some younger guys like a Graceffo and uh i don't know how to say this guy's name it's like robber c or something but i know he was someone they got in a trade um i think it might have been for Flaherty, but it was definitely at this last trade deadline. Um, but the Travis, looking at like their offense, I feel like they honestly have the, I don't know if depth's the right word, but they have like the, they have a enough MLB level position players where I feel like they could make a trade for a pitcher. And I think it'd be a pretty effective strategy because you look, you look at like guys like Arenado and Goldschmidt, you can pencil them into play almost every game, basically every game. Um, Newt Barr has come along well. Wilson Contreras, um, is, you know, kind of earned, uh, everyday catcher role. Um, you know, Edmund has had some good seasons. Donovan had a good year last year. Mason Wynn's going to come up, uh, and, and be a contributor. Uh, they, I'm sure they expect to play him a lot. And so that, that gives you the ability to kind of play Edmund, elsewhere maybe second base some or maybe you see some more donovan in the outfield or backing up i i I don't know they're gonna have some optionality there and so travis to me i feel like i mean i wrote this down here i had just a fun trade idea and there's one name to me that i feel like is a player that i would like to have on my team i think he's a good hitter but i think they could afford to trade him in exchange for pitching and i'll let you tell me what you think about this deal so this deal i'm thinking of would send nolan gorman to the seattle mariners and it would be for brian Wu, who is the pitcher for the mariners starting pitcher who last season uh was a rookie he had a mm-hmm. 4.4.21 era 87 innings pitched um, had more strikeouts than innings pitched. Um, and overall, I think has a lot of potential as a starting pitcher is just 23 years old at the moment. Um, and I could see that being a win-win move for those two teams because I can see Wu having an immediate impact on the rotation, just having a young arm for the Cardinals. And then I could see a left-handed uh, second base slash third base potentially uh, in, in Gorman as something that the um, Mariners severely lack. They don't have that level of pop and they don't, they're kind of weak at those. They're kind of shallow at those infield positions. Any thoughts on that? What I just throw out at you. I just feel like, in my opinion, that's a move where both teams can afford to give up a little. I mean, cause the Mariners have starting pitching. They don't particularly need woo to break out for them to have a good rotation. They already have a good rotation. Um, yeah, so I think that's kind of a win-win in my mind. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. And if it's not Wu, then it's maybe another pitcher on another team. But I think that uh, what the Cardinals have so much uh, depth and so many assets that they could potentially move a guy like a Nolan Gorman, who, you know, I anticipate, you know, getting better and better as he grows and gets older. But uh, you're right. They can go out there and get a guy that's a prospect and guy that should 
you know, break out in the next couple of seasons for a guy like that. And that's the beautiful thing about the Cardinal system is that, you know, hey, if you don't want to go out there and spend the money, then maybe you can go out there and uh, put some trades together because they do have so many pieces. I think at one time they were, I feel like they were one of the, you know, their farm system was 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 one of the highlights of of Major League Baseball. I mean, they had it was about like five or six guys in the top 100, and uh, they they were they were they were definitely uh, tracked to to make some aggressive trades the last couple of seasons. They didn't come true, but uh, they definitely had some exciting players that were uh, that were definitely guys that could have been could have been used in those trades. But yeah, I, I think that you could definitely go that route. Yeah, and if you have any other. Um trade ideas that just come to mind feel free to share that just that just kind of came to my mind earlier in the week and i just feel like you know we we covered it well but i the cardinals um after last season they should be looking to make something happen right they couldn't they can't just add a couple inning eaters and say let's let's run it back you know they should they should be willing to kind of take a look under the hood and make a change here or there and obviously last season was not nolan gorman's fault um it just it just I've heard the quote before, you know, when you when you aren't successful, things need to change. And that's just I think I've heard GM say that across the league. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Some people have to be the fall guy and uh, to, 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 to spark some change there. But um, looking at other topics here, Travis, um, I see uh, let's go to let's go to Kimbrell signing with the Orioles. I think it's a one year, like 13 ish million dollar deal. This is an interesting one to me. He had a good regular season. He overall was good, I think, towards the beginning of the playoffs. And then he really got lit up um, by the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm definitely not going to judge a relief pitcher off like a few outings, even though it happened in kind of the biggest outings of the year for him. I still feel like that's kind of unfair because relief pitching is so volatile. You're going to get good outings and bad outings due to chance, due to good defense, bad defense behind you, bad luck with, with where the ball goes. But um, Travis, go ahead and uh, give me your thoughts. And I'll add this. I saw a quote because at first I was saying, okay, they already have Bautista, who I know is hurt, but he was such a good closer. And then they have Yenier Cano, who was such a good setup man. And they went out there um and added uh they've pretty much been adding a uh, bullpen arms left and right um throughout the course of last season i feel like did they really need to add kimbrell and why would kimbrell want to go there if he's not going to be getting all the saves because he should be at least in my mind i would think he want to chase like the all-time saves title but what I did read today was that they plan on using him as the closer and they're going to give him that role to start the season. So that was something that was interesting to me, but, but let me get your thoughts. Let me get your thoughts on that deal. Yeah. So I think Kimbrell um, with this move, Alex, I, I definitely think he is, he's sacrificing the, the saves that he'll be, you know, making for the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, last year, uh, Cano and Batista were much, much better. And I definitely see, uh, I, I think Batista, if I'm not mistaken, Alex is going to be out all next year. Right. I was just checking on that right now. Um, I do know he needed surgery. I'm trying to figure out if yeah. it's all of next season or just part of it. Okay. Um, let's see, but, but at least cutting to the chase, I think, um, I think Cano will definitely probably, Assume that he will be the uh, he'll take over the start, the the closer role at the beginning of the season, um, and maybe we'll, let's say if Cano doesn't really have the uh, 
the same stuff as he did last year. Maybe last year was kind of, uh, um, you know, a, a bit of luck or an outlier year. Then you could see Kimbrell kind of take over and be the guy uh, possibly as a closer for the beginning part of the season if Batista does not return. But, um, you know, it is at least good that they're getting, uh, you know, another reinforcement behind um, some of their really good relievers. Uh, more depth is not a bad thing. So uh, you can look at that in, in, in a couple of different ways, but I think it's another addition that the uh, the Orioles are going to be making. I don't know exactly um, what was the I, – I, I assume it was a one-year deal, Alex, but uh, do you know what I the believe so. amount of money it was? Okay. I think it was like 13 million, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, see, the, my only problem with that is just, I mean, again, I I don't, I, I think as, as Angel fans, Alex, we've definitely, you know, grown into that, you know, spending that kind of money on a reliever, on a guy that, you know, hey, if you're on a losing streak, you might not see him for, you know, uh, an entire week if if the games play out that way. But I, I just think that, that that amount of money is sometimes not a, a good way to allocate the funds. If I had, you know, if you had $100 million, Alex, to spend and you spent $13 million on a, on a closer that's getting up in age, uh, um, it, it's probably not an area I would uh, I would want to go towards. I'd want to use that money towards someone who is, you know, going to help us in, in a more impactful way. But that's my opinion. Uh, what do you make so far of the Kimbrell move? I feel like every year now it's Kimbrell signs a one-year deal with a new team. He's kind of being that journeyman uh, for the rest of his career. So I, I don't know if he'll ever sign a multi-year deal again, but uh, it could be wrong in the future. It just seems that he's he's on this path now to just signing one-year deals. But very, very uh, interesting that he didn't go to a team that desperately needs a closer. He's going to a team that already has uh, the pitching depth. So uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think there, that – more thoughts, yeah. Yeah, I think we're kind of in a similar spot with uh, our mindset where Kimbrell, you know, there is this level of inconsistency with relievers and paying a lot of money for, a, you know, one impact reliever, especially when they're not a guaranteed to be impactful because, um, I mean, last season he was very good. Season before, Travis, he was very bad. With the Dodgers, he completely struggled to close out games to the point where they actually left him off a postseason roster, which is uh, definitely saying something uh, when you're leaving off your closer who closed most of your important games and saying, we don't even trust you to pitch at all in these games. So that was not that long ago. And he's had ups and downs uh, ever since his, his kind of prime glory era when he was a brave and then a red Sox, but um they definitely uh, orioles definitely Charles, i'll give them this they know what they're doing when it comes to pitchers and adding pitchers um i mean they got so much out of uh yanir cano who they traded for jorge lopez when lopez was an oriole he was great he gets traded to the twins becomes no longer great and the guy they get in return all of a sudden breaks out and becomes great so there's definitely something to be said about the way that the orioles target relievers and just pitchers in general they definitely um they definitely uh they, they find diamonds in the rough they make the appropriate tweaks to make sure that they're getting the most out of their guys they also went and got shintaro fujinami last off seat last uh, trade deadline from the a's turned him into a 
just a one inning, you know, reliever type. And he was just devastating with his 100 mile an hour fastball and almost unhittable splitter. They figured out a combination that works well for him. So maybe they have something in mind for Kimbrel. I mean, you don't really want to teach an old dog too many new tricks, but I do trust the Orioles to kind of break it down and figure out what's going to be best for Craig Kimbrel. That being said, um, like you said, I think there's a more effective way to probably uh, allocate your budgeting, Travis. And that will kind of take me into the next quick conversation I want to have. Uh, and it'll be about the Angels. Travis, the Angels have not by any means been a model of team building the last few, I mean, pretty much the last several seasons. Um, they definitely have had a lot of uh, contracts that have not gone according to plan. They've made signings that uh, kind of flopped. So that's not the point here. But there's one thing the Angels are doing right now, Travis, that I quite like. Instead of going and, you know, it would be kind of classic Angels fashion to give Kimbrel like a one-year kind of big contract, right? And I'm glad they are not going that route. Um, the Angels knew they had to address the bullpen and what they're doing instead is they're just trying to bring on board multiple different um, relievers that are MLB caliber that aren't going to be super expensive and they might not be amazing out of the pen, but you can almost count on one of them to hit. And I think in, a, in an ideal situation, they all are at least around MLB average relievers that can give you sort of quality options throughout the course of a 162 game season instead of the kind of constant flux and rotation between minor league arms and big league arms that the angels have seen in their bullpen the last couple of seasons. But what I'm getting at Travis is they went out and signed Luis Garcia. Um, there are a couple of Luis Garcia's in the league right now. Um, they went and got Luis Garcia who, um, who was a Padre last year. And this was a guy who actually was an angel back in 2019, did not have a good year that year in 2019. But um, looking at the last couple seasons, um, in my mind, I'm sorry, last three seasons, it's been pretty solid in my opinion. Um, 2021, a 3.24 ERA, a 3.39 ERA in 2022, and last year, a 4.07 ERA. So all uh, definitely above average, um, you know, relief seasons. Um, the uh, expected ERA and the FIP numbers are all pretty solid for those three seasons. Um, especially in 2021 and 2022, it was quite good. The velocity is quite good as well, sitting in mid uh, 97, 97.6 last year was his uh, fastball velocity. Um, and he did uh, get a good amount of innings, 60 innings last season, 61 the season before. So this is a guy, Travis, who even though he's getting a little bit older, he's currently, it looks like 36. Um, he'll be 37 next season. I don't think I think it's a good move because it's adding an arm that is probably better than a lot of the arms we saw from the Angels pen last year. It's just more MLB level reliability and it's just more MLB caliber um, pitching. And they also went out there, Travis, and this is, sorry, this is on a one year deal. Um, and then they went out there and got Adam Simber announced today. He is someone who um, is currently 33 and he is. Um, been with Toronto. He did not have a great ERA last year at a 7.40. Um, 
Um, but I think that the Angels saw what he did the two years prior, the three years prior, really, with us, uh, you know, two years of being a sub three ERA guy. He's kind of a sidearm delivery. He's an unconventional pitcher. You're kind of hoping he generates weak contact as the goal. Um, gonna get you some strikeouts, but not a ton. Definitely focusing on the weak contact. So he'll be a situational guy. I imagine the right-handed version of like an Aaron Loop. Last year, the Angels would put in Loop when they needed a ground ball. Um, and that was a kind of a you know a calculated game plan there. So I see I see the process to some extent when it comes to these moves the Angels are making. Um, overall, I'm not going to guarantee any of these relievers are going to be these massive um, you know stars out of the pen because this guy was non-tendered by the Braves, but um, sorry by the Blue Jays. But um, overall, Travis, I think I am seeing what I like in terms of a bullpen, which is options, which is depth, which is not just signing one big arm and saying problem solved. Do you agree? What do you think? Absolutely. And I think the philosophy for bullpens and not just with the angels, but just, you know, in general, uh, major league teams is, and you kind of see it with the Dodgers, you know, not signing big names, but going out there and kind of finding these diamonds in the rough. And I think the more that you get some of these guys on these smaller, you know, uh, one year, two year deals, you know, not not signing the the big, you know, I think Aaron Loop Alex got like two years and like 18 mil. So it, it was it was a hefty contract. And um, and then I think to as well, got some decent money for a reliever. It just did not turn out to be anything what we thought it was going to be uh, and loop as well. Just I mean, had more bad outings than good outings as an angel. And I think that you, you get some of these guys that are not going to be, uh, you know, hitting uh, or hurting the budget uh, in, in, in a huge way. And that can be, you know. Uh, the same type of pitcher as those guys are, if not better. So I, I definitely like some of these guys that are just going to get these small one year, maybe two year deals, not too much money in there as well, because uh, I think with just adding all this, all these pieces in, if you add 10 relievers out, you know, if, if three or four of them hit, that's a win because the angels already have guys coming up through the farm system as well. So you definitely could look at, you know, for those 10 that could be hitting, you know, throughout the season. And then also with guys coming up uh, from the minors, I know angels have had a lot of good success with the, with the minor league pitching uh, coming out of the bullpen last year. We had a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of diversity, I would say, because we had guys that could, you know, throw a hundred plus miles an hour. We had guys that just had, uh, um, like frisbee pitches that uh, yeah are just seem unhittable that just the ball moves in ways that you know you've never seen before uh so i i like that and i like the, the the repertoire with all the pitchers in the bullpen i think that that is a better way to move forward with the bullpen than uh than just going out there and spending you know 25 million plus dollars on on the bullpen arms when you're hoping to god that they click and if they don't then you're like wow we you know we really wasted that opportunity and we really just uh, allocated a lot of the a lot of the money from the budget to that specific player, and, and it's a total bust now. So um, I, I definitely like this direction the Angels are going, where you know go smarter, get guys that uh, that are going to be uh, you know not breaking the bank, but you know are are still should be impactful for what they're earning. So th that's kind of the way I'll put it. I, I like these moves a lot better than hey Angels went out there and signed you know Kate, Craig Kimbrell to a two year twenty five million dollar deal. Then I'd be like oh boy you know, we're going down this rabbit hole again. Yeah, I think that's a great way to sum it up. Um, the one other guy I didn't mention, and we might have mentioned him last week, but um, I think it's Adam uh, Kalark. He has been in the past a Ray, a Dodger, 
um, in Oakland A. But Charis, he is someone who uh, probably going to be a lefty specialist. Not a lot of velocity there, but definitely a guy who um, is just another guy where you have potential, right? You have the chance yeah. at hitting um, an and above average arm for you for the next season if he just uh, gets right, if they figure out what works. He's an interesting case because in the last four seasons, he has not pitched over 20 innings pitched. He's just not been able to be consistent presence on any bullpen. But going back to 2018, the present, he has been between like 60 and 70% of balls hit in play or ground balls. So he is good at inducing ground balls. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd have to think the Angels might target some defense if they're kind of targeting more ground ball type pitchers. So we'll kind of see what the game plan shapes up as. But that's just another example of the way the Angels are trying to add options. Uh, instead of giving all your money to a few guys, let's give our money to several guys and see who kind of fits the best. A couple of different bullpen signings across the league. There's just some smart teams who target guys, and I'm just like, oh, that's gonna that's just gonna be that is gonna mm-hmm. be deadly. Penn mm-hmm. Murphy is going to the Braves. He is someone who pitched pretty well out of the bullpen um in in stints with the um with the uh Seattle Mariners. Uh looking at his stats here, he um he's yeah, with he came up through the Seattle system, uh through their farm system and uh let me see here. Yeah. 2023. Yeah. A 1.29 ERA and just 14 innings pitched. And then the year prior in 2022, he had a, he had a 2.99 ERA in almost 70 innings pitched um, in relief. So definitely a guy who you can see uh, the Braves probably making great use of decent strikeouts per nine. And overall, I think a good profile, the Braves are just so smart um, with the guys they target that I have complete faith that he's going to be a guy who hits. Another example of this um, situation is Chris Davinsky going to the Tampa Bay Rays. Travis, he is someone who had a pretty good, uh, pretty good in my mind, uh, stint with the Angels last year. Definitely some blow up outings that kind of screw up some of the stats. But um, overall, this is a guy who I just know when the Rays target a reliever, they see something they really like, and they're going to make good use of it. Um, so just looking at uh, looking at those two signings, Travis, there are just some teams who know exactly what they want to target, and I just have complete faith that they're going to kind of uh, they're going to click, you know. And then I think another a bullpen addition is Kirby Yates signing with the Rangers, um, and that's probably a bit more of a a bit more uncertainty there, I'd say. I I, I trust the Rangers because they've had pretty good process the last season or two, but obviously defending World Series champions, trying to add uh, another name to that uh, bullpen that was pretty poor last year. I don't think Yates necessarily like changes much unless he does click, but he's had to deal with injuries. You know, he I mean the last time he threw, uh, I mean so he threw sixty innings pitched last season um but then before that it wasn't since 2019 he had a full workload so um this is just a guy who i have faith in to potentially be a contributor but to kind of change that bullpen dynamic i don't see that really happening but which of those three signings do you want to kind of touch on which one stands out the most as potentially being impactful and repeat that one more time again the so it's 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 yates to the rangers it That's is right. Davinsky to the Rays, and it is Penn Murphy to the Braves. And I'll just say that I think that 
when Rays are an option and that comes to relief pitching, I might just lean Rays because I just trust that they are smarter than me and they're going to make good use of what Davinsky um, brought to the table last year and kind of recraft him. But but what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, and the last thing that I, I forgot was that was Penn Murphy. But yeah, um, I you know with with Yates, you know he was such a dominant pitcher in his in you know I think it was 2019 with the Padres that. He had a, a truly a breakout season with them as a closer. And then, you know, I think battled Tommy John really hasn't been in the league um, too, too much the last two or three seasons, as I recall. But um, I, I could see him. Uh, it, it, I could, you know, with him, I think it's it's the biggest question mark, you know, going to the Rangers. You could see him being very impactful, but also I could see him being uh, a very poor pitcher for the Rangers. As, the, as we know, the Rangers bullpen isn't the greatest in baseball. They showed it all last season during the regular season. So that one's kind of the biggest uh, question mark, but you could definitely see the uh, the high ceiling or the low floor at that one. But I, I think you're right about the Davinsky and the um, and the Rays. Uh, you know, also with Penn Murphy and, and the Braves, Alex, I mean, both teams are just super smart um, in, in the way that they go about their business. So it, it's it's almost like a tie, I would say. But I just feel like with with the Rays, they, they know – the situations that to use guys in and they they sign a guy that you know isn't very expensive and they turn him into you know uh an all-star uh to, to put it lightly i mean last year what they signed um i'm forgetting the guy's name but he was a philly uh it was the biggest contract in the race history <laughs> um wait uh what position uh starting pitcher starting pitcher but he was a reliever he was he was the old philly that came over and he was the highest played uh, or paid raise, raise oh, player. Eflin, yeah, yeah. And, and and Eflin in Philly was just a – he was just an average kind of guy. And now they are – and now, you know, Eflin coming over to the Rays last year was was absolutely great. And uh, and I, I could see them doing the same thing with Davinsky as well. But uh, that's yeah, – it's, it's tough between Penn Murphy and, and Davinsky. I could see both guys absolutely being a, an absolute steal for the, uh, for the reliever market. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, just kind of, I'm just trying to look on uh, spot track here to kind of look at the different um, free agents that are still in the market and try to figure out. You know, obviously Otani is like the elephant in the room. We're all kind of waiting on, but I'm trying to figure out who might be. I think like, other big names like even uh, Kershaw. You know, we 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 don't really know too much. You know, he's I think he's going to miss a good a, a good portion of the of the season. I think it's going to be the first half. I think he might come back in July. They said but you know what does that look like and what team might be suited to sign him i think that, that that's another question mark i know his name was circled all um you know as a top 10 you know a, a free agent this year this year but that's it, it, right it gets tricky with that one other guys like marcus stroman um mm -hmm. he is a free agent uh vado the, the reds have said they won't they're not going to re-sign him which just seems crazy uh, i guess they just yeah. want to you know focus their attention and their their budget elsewhere but um, it'd be really strange to see him on a different team next year, but that's a possibility. You know, Jock Peterson, Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, um, looking at this list. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, Travis, I've seen a couple tweets come across. Um, oh, wow, this is a really funny update. So basically, I saw a tweet from Ken Rosenthal 10 minutes ago when we were talking, and it said that the Reds and Diamondbacks are the finalists for free agent left-hander Eduardo Rodriguez. Hmm. Um, and it's funny that Rosenthal just now, like one second ago, issued a correction saying Reds are not a finalist 
are there they are not a finalist for Rodriguez. Our apologies. So it seems like the only finalist they really know about is the Diamondbacks, who are in on Eduardo Rodriguez. So it seems like the Diamondbacks they want to kind of run it back and add some uh, veteran pitching to their mix, which is something that they that that's probably a wise direction to go. Just looking at how their postseason kind of ended up flaming out with a lack of starting pitching depth. Um, but yeah, Travis, there's a lot of guys still available. Um, Hader is available. Teoscar Hernandez, um, you know, Matt Chapman, Jorge, Jorge Soler, Reese Hoskins. I mean, we could, we could just keep listing guys, but um, overall, my point is this. Um, There's so many uh, things that still need to happen for us to even have a real sense of how um, the dynamic is shifting across the league. Um, most of the deals that happened so far are, uh, so, some are some fun moves, but overall, nothing has really tipped the scales for the league quite yet, in my opinion. I think that's probably well, why. I, I, I did just get an update, Alex, though. What's that? Two hours ago, it looks like the Blue Jays are among the teams interested in Tony Kemp. Wow. Thoughts, on that, thoughts on that, though. Now, that is breaking news. I don't, I, he must be a. That must be by trade. I don't think he's a free agent, is he? I mean, he honestly I, could be, but you know, with, he, with the Oakland A's, it's soon he's to be still off my radar. A's. It's um, it's not really on the the top of my head right now. <laughs> right, it's 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 um, definitely off my radar in 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 most uh, you know, I'm sorry to A's fans out there, but I, I'm just not super concerned about, I guess, their uh, the decisions that they make. Um, in the coming weeks, but Travis, looking at uh, you know some of these names that are still on the board, a lot to st- a lot is still yet to happen. I think a big part of that is because teams are waiting to see what Otani does. We don't want to go too into Otani just because we'll wait for the kind of decision to happen. But um, I guess I will briefly just mention the Buster Only article that came out and only said something like. You know, Otani being hush hush about all the teams uh, that he's meeting with and not wanting them to kind of announce that he's meeting with them uh, only says that that, that's silly and it's a missed opportunity. And I think everyone immediately kind of like jumped on only and said, hey, like this guy's about to make north of five hundred million dollars. He can do it however the heck he wants. He's done things his own way this whole time. Um, If he wants to be kind of humble and modest and respect the process and not air out, um, you know, the dirty laundry of, you know, whatever team is trying to pitch him. Um, he wants them to respect him in the same way. And he's not, doesn't want them to leak information about him. So I completely respect, I completely respect Otani's decision to like not be the subject of this media frenzy. He doesn't want to be in the tabloids, you know, and like all this, you know, controversy and drama and Travis it's, it's, it's odd that, the one example I could think of in baseball where there was a real kind of, I wouldn't say frenzy, but I would say a big social media um, hype and kind of buzz around a free agent was when Bauer was hyping himself up and hyping up his decision because he was making vlogs about it, you know, and he was trying to kind of make it this big theatrical thing. And I think in and of itself, that's not a problem per se, but it's just funny looking at how that turned out with like them, like his own team, like accidentally posted like a congrats to the Mets when he ended up picking the Dodgers the next day. It just yeah, like yeah. 
Otani is not here to mess around, right? He's respecting these teams' processes. He's going to the meetings. He's taking care of business his way. And anyone who kind of has a problem with that, I just don't get why you would try to pin that on him. But I just wanted to yeah. kind of get a quick rant on that. Any other thoughts? I uh, no, hundred percent. When I saw that, I I I, was, I just kind of laughed, and it's funny. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, the guy is is a he's a great personality, but, uh, you know, even, even mad dog, Chris Russo had a, had a, he had a rant today, I think on a first take with Stephen a, and he had a quote that said, you know, what is this, the Manhattan project? And I think it was probably the funniest thing I read all day. Cause it, it is pretty funny. Like these, these reporters just, they want to know the news. They want to know every update, but you know, Shohei just being the guy he is. And, and I think that, you know, people respect him way, way more now that, that, that he's getting to some of these reporters he's getting to them. He's, he's making them, you know, all antsy, all crazy that they just need to know the news. They want it. They want it. They want it. It's almost like they're on a drug and they, uh, they just can't get off and they need to know where Otani is leaning and where he's going to go. Because of course they want to be someone that is the first one to leak that news. Cause when that day does come, um, that will be, you know, one of the biggest, you know, if, if you could say, hey, I was the first one to leak, you know, show Otani's, uh, you know, uh, signing for this team or extension with the angels that, that's going to be pretty big, I think, for your career. But it, it's truly funny seeing all these reporters, like guys like Buster Only, that that it's just it's it, it really makes them upset. And uh, again, I, I think you saw the responses from his tweet, and everyone was just totally on Otani's side. And they're like, "Dude, you need to like lay off. Like this guy is making a life changing, you know, decision. Uh, the amount of money he's going to get, like, why do you like need to interrupt it?" And it's so true. And it, it's. It's so cool to see Shohei just being like this, like, um, it, you know, the, the the silence is violence kind of mentality where it's like he, he's totally, you know, uh, going a step up above some of these analysts and reporters that um, and he hasn't even said anything. I mean, literally, the last time we saw Otani was, I think, with his uh, with his dog for the MVP uh, trophy. And, and it's it's you know, it's it's cool to see a guy like that, that just is not in the news. And then he comes out in spring training. And you're like, where have you been all off season? And he just becomes this, you know, Greek God that just becomes the greatest player on earth. And, you know, he's not in the news, like, you know, some of their sports stars are, or, you know, all like that, which is, it's, it makes it so, I don't know. It, it, it has a different feeling, Alex, you know, you, you, you definitely, you know, you see news, you know, not, not bad news, but you know, you see LeBron James in the news, you know, in the off season, you know, LeBron here doing things like that, or you see Tom Brady in the news, you know, doing different things, but you just don't see, you know, Otani in the news at all. And it's, it, 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 it kind of is a, it, it's really a unique presence or a unique feeling because how good he is. You think he'd be, you know, going to, parties in Vegas and, you know, just being the, the, the guy on the, uh, the guy out there on the, um, you know, with the, uh, the paparazzi and all that stuff, but he's just, he's, he's a silent guy. He keeps to himself and, uh, he does his off season routines and, and it's, uh, it's a unique, um, I think it's a unique, uh, situation that, that he, that he brings every off season, but yeah, that, that, that was really interesting and, and, and really funny actually. And then, um, the, one of the biggest, uh, storylines Alex, that you showed me was the, uh, the whole Dave Roberts, um, Right. Uh, paragraph where, you know, Dave, I, you know, Shohei doesn't want teams to talk about it, that they were, you know, in contact with him. But I think Dave Roberts made a little, uh, let too much out of the bag. And uh, it was funny in the paragraph that you showed me that, you know, he was, he was talking to reporters and laughing and then got a text and then his face just turned like serious. And it's like, what did that text say? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, 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 I definitely think that 
he kind of had a moment where he probably realized that he messed up. Do I think it's changing the entire uh, landscape of the Otani sweepstakes? No, but I do think that Otani probably um, is either gaining or losing to a minor degree that respect for different organizations who those who respect his privacy and respect his wishes and those that don't, you know, and, you know, some people might think it's silly that Otani cares that much about if Dave Roberts, you know, speaks up on their meeting or or doesn't. Obviously, Roberts didn't leak any important information. He didn't say, oh, yeah, we're talking to him about a five-year deal with the extra seven years if he pitches, you know, 100 innings every season. So it's not like he's leaking details. So, um, you know, it is silly to some extent, but I think Otani definitely is taking note of which teams – are handling their business the way he'd like them to handle it. And I think that's important. Um, Travis, a quick update here. Apparently in the last couple of minutes, Joel Sherman Uh-oh. has tweeted that the Juan Soto deal with Trent Grisham is uh, a, a, it's a go. It's They're going to the Yankees, Soto and Grisham. He said the wow. teams um, have agreed and it's going to be finalized later tonight. But it's still technically not official, official, official. But it is he's saying that they have agreed and that and that, you know, there's no there's no more snags with the medicals. Um, the teams will make it official sometime tonight. So Joel Sherman, your legacy is on the line here. If that ends up falling through, it is <laughs> on right. you. You have misinformed the two tools if that ends up not happening. But everyone, Travis, is officially reporting it. The official MLB. Uh, the Fox Sports MLB account already posted a Soto um, jersey swap video with the Yankees, and it says per Joel Sherman. Um, so it, it seems like it's that level of official. It's pretty much locked in. Um, there's still, of course, the one in like a thousand chance that it falls through, which does happen because, I mean, I can't believe how many times we thought Correa and Judge were going somewhere and then that got scratched. So um, the Giants got screwed over last offseason. I'll just put it that way. So I'm not going to I'm not going to say it's a it's a super lock, but it seems like it's pretty much a lock. But we already kind of covered the Yankees and Soto. So I just wanted to share that quick update. Travis, before we close, um, I'll just rattle off a couple extra names that um, have signed and just, we don't have to really comment just so we can kind of keep the read the listeners updated. Maeda, uh, Kenta Maeda will be with the Tigers uh, next season. Jason Hayward is returning to the Dodgers. Emilio Pagan will be in the Reds bullpen next season. Jaime Berea, finally no longer an angel. He'll be a Cleveland guardian. Um, Joey Wendell will be a Met. I kind of like that as just a, utility depth option i feel like there were some holes that he could fill potentially um and then yeah i I guess the last piece of news i have written down here is that jackson trio um was extended he is by some accounts the best prospect in baseball by other accounts he's definitely like a top two top three prospect in baseball he is a brewers outfielder i believe and he is someone who just absolutely crushed the ball at a very very young age i think in double a he was playing quite a bit up let me see exactly what that kind of age gap was but yeah, he was born in 2004 travis which that just seems crazy that these kind of guys i mean this guy was born in 2004 travis and he has a like an eight or nine year contract um, already with the Brewers. He hasn't even uh, made an MLB debut yet, but yeah, he was 19 last year in double a hitting 280 average 336 on base 
467 slugging. He had 43 steals and 22 homers in about 120 games. So um, this guy was an absolute beast. Um, and they put him up uh, for about six games in AAA before the season ended last year. He continued mashing the ball. So this is a young guy who's going to be really, really good someday. And they already are extending him to an Acuna-like, an Ozzy Albies kind of type deal where I think it's for like eight or nine years. Like, it's like, I want to pull it up to be exact, but that's, I think it's like seven or eight million a year. So it's definitely some guaranteed money for him that's going to help his financial security. But at the same time, he definitely could have probably made more if he has the breakout we're all expecting him to have. But um, any other thoughts on the topics of this week, Travis? Yeah, nothing too much. I mean, the, I think the biggest one you just highlighted was uh, about three minutes ago and, and Soto being traded. So that's going to be the main, uh, the main topic of course for for today and and uh and you know hoping moving forward next week when we record again that uh we uh we should have some you know more breaking news about uh you know the biggest the biggest fish in the market and uh his decision so i i i'm really looking forward to the next coming weeks and and seeing how this stuff uh you know keeps adding on before we get to the you know the holiday season which it does slow down a bit and then you do see guys pick it up around uh you know january because it's 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 crazy that you're you know pitchers and catchers are reporting in you know almost about 60 days which it doesn't even seem real uh you know they they do report uh beginning to middle of february and then you know you start getting into the groove of uh getting the guys together and then games start getting played so it'll be here quickly yeah hopefully i would expect travis our next episode we will know where shohei otani is going it seems like everything i've read is that the next coming days especially uh, what's that or staying right could be going or staying you and i i don't know about you but i am definitely probably the highest person i know on the odds of otani actually returning to the angels is I'm that very, some yeah, is that I, some uh homer optimism quite possibly but i yeah. really think that um he must have some respect for the fact that angels are everyone knows we're in the mix and yep. we've not you've not heard a peep about like him meeting with the angels obviously you don't have yeah. really have to meet with them that much because they've had these discussions before but they obviously have to meet to kind of discuss price points and and contract mm-hmm. structure and stuff um i just know that we will be willing to pay as much as anyone and i know that um he definitely has some level of comfort here and you know all this media buzz he clearly doesn't enjoy it right he doesn't like all these things leaking to the press i think he liked how in anaheim things were you know, I wouldn't say quiet, but, right but but definitely, definitely, yeah, at his own pace and able to kind of do things his way, able to um, kind of control the media's access to him. And I, I think he liked that. So um, I'll leave it at that. I expect Travis next episode, we should have uh, at least a clear picture of where he might go, if not the actual deal finalized. So I'm really excited to kind of cover more free agency hot topics. And then Travis, I think in a couple of weeks here, we're getting the all MLB team announced by MLB. We'll break that down, discuss some things. I've already seen um, some different uh, publications post their all, all MLB teams, and I've got plenty of complaints ready to go, Travis. So yep. um, we will go ahead and get into all that good stuff when it, the time comes. But that's all I have for this one. If you listeners made it this far, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>